Welcome to another episode of the Sports Bros Podcast, featuring the Almighty Be Live, the Money Man Scotty D, and your host, the head of creative, Eddie Cool. The Sports Bros Podcast is a sports podcast that's by the fans for the fans. Talking sports just the way you like it. And without any further ado, let's give it up for the Sports Bros. It's another Tuesday. We got some more snow up here, but that doesn't stop one thing from happening. It's time for your favorite sports podcast, none other than the Sports Bros Podcast. Scotty D, is that a, a T-shirt? It is. <laughs> is that a t- Oh, man, that is a T-shirt for our YouTube viewers, which I'll promise I will get this video up. Scotty D has a T-shirt with a Sports Bros podcast on it. And, 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 and I like that. Official. Yeah. Official. Yeah, an official. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And another thing, um, I'm not mad at Evan McPherson for watching the halftime show. And with that, <laughs> and with that being You're said, right. and with that being said, I'm going to introduce two of the best co-hosts in the world. Introducing first the Almighty B Live. What's happening? What's going on in the world today? You know, I ask this every single week, and it always applies because you know what? Whoo! What an NFL season, and I don't think there's a better way to cap it off. I mean, you could talk about this call. You could talk about the halftime show. You could talk about all kinds of different things. But at the end of the day, there can only be one. That's it. It is what it is. It ain't my Panthers. It ain't Sky D's um, Cowboys. And, um, (laughs) but there's fandoms out there somewhere. There's some Rams fans out there. It it, it was a big pun. You remember big pun, Alan? Alan I think he might be a Rams fan. He might be a St. Louis Rams fan, but yeah, yeah, it, it is what it is. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams or for some people in Michigan, the Detroit Rams, because they, man, they love them. So Matt Stafford and um, Jared Goff, um, you, it, stay off of Instagram for a while. I know you blocked us from tagging you. Uh, that, that's neither here nor there. I digress. <laughs> go, go ahead and introduce the other guy because, you know, got to get him in. Got to get in where you can fit in. Go ahead and introduce him. Yes, sir. All right. And the pride of Washington, Pennsylvania, dancing his behind off. He is the money man, Scotty D. California knows how to party. California knows how to party. Well, in the city. My bad. I'm I'm sorry. sorry You got to feel it. You got to feel it, though. Yeah. Yeah. I I was feeling it on Sunday. It's. A Sunday is the annual day where everyone says, I can't wait to see the Super Bowl. And then they hate the announcers. They hate the commercials. They hate the halftime show. They hate everything. It just, and they just cry about it. And they can't wait for it to happen again next year. Is this me or every year do you hear people say, the commercials weren't that great this year? I didn't even like the commercials this year. It's like you fantasize, like back at, at some point, it was like, uh, the commercial was like an epic movie that it was just like an Oscar winning movie. It's a commercial. It lasts like 30 seconds. Some of them are going to be a little bit cuter than those, but 
what, what do you expect? And, and these halftime shows, they're not concerts. They're not concerts. We're not paying money and paying tickets to see. They're, they're just halftime shows where you get a couple of songs. Now, I kind of like, I think we could have done without Kendrick Lamar, maybe, in that scene. And, and, and Fitty Scent looked like he gained 50 pounds. Well, <laughs> I, I kind of liked the halftime show for the most part. I'd have liked to have seen a couple more songs, but it wasn't a concert. It was, it was fine. Anyway. Yeah, I'm already uh, I'm already rambling. Go ahead, Eddie Cole. Let's start the show. Well, as I said a few weeks ago, <clears throat> there is a football game at the Eminem, Dr. Dre, and Snoop Dogg concert. And that game was Super Bowl 56. We have the surprising team, the Cincinnati Bengals, playing the favorite, the LA Rams, at home in the house, but the Bengals were the home team. Fellas, we, we had a pretty good game, pretty clean game. They the the referees for the most part they did let them play until like you know late in the fourth quarter, but um it was a pretty clean game. It's one of the cleanest Super Bowls I have ever seen. Um, Scotty D, your thoughts on the big game? It was a drag until the end of the game. It was really a drag because the what was the final score? 23-20, right? Yep, 23-20. Well, the Bengals had 20 points with 11 minutes remaining in the third quarter, so they didn't score again. And the Rams scored their only touchdown in the second half with under two minutes to go. In between that time, there was a lot of punts and defensive stands and punts and defensive plays, which is fine. It was a, it was a competitive game. It held your interest. It just wasn't like the most exciting Super Bowl I've ever seen until we get to the two-minute warning. And that's where you hear all the, 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 uh, the complaining about the officiating which I think is just a little, little overdone for my taste. Because first of all, the Bengals' biggest play of the game came on a call that the referees, we all agree, <laughs> yeah. the referees clearly blew that one, and mm-hmm. the Bengals had to, had to leave. And then on the next play, with all the momentum going their way, Stafford throws an interception, should have been caught by his receiver, and then the Bengals did something really dumb and got Aaron Donald mad. They started throwing pushes on him, pushing him over on the sideline. And to me, I think one of the biggest turning points of the game is when the Bengals had third and three on, I believe it was like the the 10-yard line, whatever, and Burrow dropped back and got sacked. And they settled for three right there when they had all that momentum and a chance to, to, to punch it into the end zone because that was when you saw the tide turning as far as the Rams' defense asserting themselves, because it, the, Burrow was pretty well protected for the most part, I thought in the first half he wasn't really under fire uh, until the second. Not not so much, not as much as the second half, though. You would agree, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. I, I give you that because I mean, you look at the stat sheet. At the end of the day, Joe Burrow was on his back seven times as opposed to the nine times against the Titans. But he, he was on his back. That was that was and, sacks. That's not even talking about like right. hurry, hurry. Because the last play of the game, Donald threw him down. It was in the book as an incomplete pass, but it was really the biggest play of the game. Oh yeah, very very much so. That or the game I mean, sealed yeah. the seal. The what the play that sealed the game. Maybe not the biggest play, but you know what I'm saying. Oh no, yeah, 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 there, yeah. There, there was there was a lot of turning points when it came to the the big game, the Super Bowl. I will say this. There is a reason why I'm not a head coach in the NFL. Sometimes I risk it for the biscuit. Sometimes, um, nope, nope, nope. I don't like taking chances. I like to put points on the board. 
Um, Eddie Cool can be a it be a testament to this. And a couple of my peeps, um, Jr. Smooth the Star Walker, um, my boy Cliff Sticky Icky, um, they 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 know how I like to play Madden, and they call it they call it is be live ball. There's a reason why I call it be live ball. I'm not I'm not one to take risks. When time there's not much time left, I'm running the ball. I'm very conservative. Tick 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 tick. I will work the clock. I don't. I ain't got nothing to prove. A win is a win. So where did you think that they were riskier than you would have been in the in the game? In the very first drive. Okay. The, yeah, when they the, went for the, the, the very first drive when they went it went for it on fourth down and they did not get it. Gave Matthew Stafford and the Rams short a uh, very short field. I was like, why this soon, this early? Or what, what that it that easily, easily. You, you could think you could think of that as a 14-point swing. You don't know what would happen if you pin them deep. The defense was playing very good for the majority of part of the game. But the thing about it is you start them off with a short field. They get seven. You get three. They get another seven. They've already they've already set a testament. They got six. Out of game. Get, correct, <laughs> which could have, which could have, man, I was, I was like, boy, it was that, a factor down the stretch how, how yeah. the game played out, yeah, absolutely, and so that that was again something else that there was so many little small little things that went on in the game that made it what it is. I I agree with you, Scott. That I mean, it wasn't the most exciting game, but I'm also a very big advocate of defensive play, and you saw it in the best of times, and then you didn't see it at the worst of times. Eli Apple. Just let it go, bro. Good God. Burnt toast. Burnt (laughs) toast. Jesus. You have one job, and I will question the defensive coordinator for Cincinnati. Cooper Cup, all he did was he was a triple crown winner. He led in yards, receptions, and touchdowns. Offensive player of the year. I'm telling you right now. And on top of that, Odell Beckham got hurt. I will be triple teaming freaking Cooper Cup the entire game. There'll be somebody blanketed on him over here, over there. You're not getting the ball. It would, Van Jefferson would have to beat us. He would have to beat us. But you will, you can't continue to allow single coverage, putting putting going in the zone, putting a linebacker on this dude. What what like where I would highly I say give the Rams different. credit for cre- they created those mismatches though. They had co- right. coming out of the slot. I mean, they, they moved him around and that was you know, I, I thought McVay did a good job of that. I can't understand why with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter and the, he had rushed for 20 yards, he's still running the ball on that. They'd throw the ball on first down, get a little rhythm and get like eight, nine yards. Then he'd run it and they'd lose two yards. And then Stafford is in a third and long situation. And then they punt it again. That happened several times. I'm like, why, why are you insisting on running? That's not working tonight. No, let your quarterback. Throw. And I know that they were, they were down a couple uh, guys. Odell Beckham going out really hurt. Um, obviously they didn't have woods from the get go. And, and there was, uh, someone else, I forget it. They had another, another Higby. pass catcher, Tyler Higby. Higby. right? Hig, that's it. Yeah. So they were down a couple weapons. I get it, but 
Cincinnati decided they were not running on. No, no, uh, uh. But the Bengals decided they were not going to run, and and they defensively defended the run very well. Yeah, it's it's, the the biggest run of the game came from Cooper Cup on the end around on fourth down and fourth and one play. It's funny that great call. It's funny that you did. It's funny that you did mention that because I'm overlooking. I'm like, you're going to have to abandon the run because it's not working. The run is not working. It's two yards in a cloud of dust, and I think, um, I think. Daryl Henderson, he had a small burst. And then, like you said, Cooper Cup, he had a burst. I think Sony Michelle didn't get anything. But other, I'm su- I didn't even – I'm not looking at stats, but I'm surprised. I, I I would be surprised if they barely – if the Rams barely got – if they even Four, smelled 50, 50 I, yards. I think they rushing. were in the four, 40 – I think it was under 50. I think it was in like 40, 42, 43, yeah. somewhere now. I, I don't remember specifically, but I'm, I'm almost certain it was less than 50 without yeah. ha- having the stats pulled up. But – when the game was on the line, the Rams got what they paid for, which is Matthew Stafford at that point saying, I don't care if Cooper Cup's covered. I'm going to him because Van Jefferson ain't, ain't catching. He, he's not he's not doing enough. And neither is the other dude who missed the missed the pass in the end zone against the 49ers a couple weeks ago. And the ball bounces off his hand into for the interception that, that the white dude, you know, I'm talking about. It was number number 18. I, yeah, 18. Scrawl. Yeah. Nobody knows who he is. It is what it is. But, yeah, I I, I agree with you. You would think in the offensive of the defensive scheme of things, Cincinnati was stopping the run, but somehow they could not stop Cooper Cup. I was like, I don't – I still – and this is no disrespect to Cooper Cup because I'm telling you, he's done something that nobody else has ever done. There's only been one wide receiver in the history of the NFL that did what Cooper Cup did this year. It took him an entire career to do it. Cooper Cup was the Triple Crown winner, the offensive MVP, and Super Bowl MVP all in the same season. There's only been one wide receiver that has done that in their entire career. To have Jerry Rice. That's it. Jerry Rice pretty, is the pretty only. good company. And Jerry Rice, he didn't do it in a year. He did he eventually got it throughout his career. But Cooper hmm. Cup did that in one season. Nobody's ever done what Cooper Cup has done this year. And the Bengals allowed them to do it. Yeah. They allowed them to do it. I'm like, and again, not taking away from Cooper Cup and what he's able to do. Route running, amazing. Second to none when it comes to route running. And people forget to do the 6263. He can, I mean, he's not a, he's not a Julian Edelman. He's not a Wes Welker. He can also go up and get the ball and he can also beat you on the run. He can beat you. He can, he's not. Cooper Cup is that dude. Yeah. But man, yeah. There, there's no way I allow him to get behind me. There's no way there's the the front four of Cincinnati had to run stop. There's not too many options. One thing that goes a little bit unmentioned, unsaid, though, was one of the most beautiful throws I've ever seen. And because people they just think Patrick Mahomes is that dude, great, grand, and wonderful. But Matt Stafford hit a no-look pass, and that thing was beautiful. Yep. That thing yep. was amazing. I, I didn't even see it in real time. I had to see it in the highlights. I was like, oh, my goodness, that was a no-look pass. 
and threaded the needle. Like, I forget who was – like, there was a cornerback in that vicinity, and he didn't know what to do. He thought the ball was that way, and it went that way. And he was like, yeah. uh oh, uh-uh. man. Yeah. That was- I, think, I think Stafford really only made one mistake, and that was at the end of the half – on the third and 13 and he pointed Jefferson to go to the back of the end zone. And he underthrew it and was intercepted. I thought he should have tried to, he had a receiver coming across the middle. He could have taken the check down and then settled for a, a field goal attempt at that point. Mm. That, but other than that, I thought, I thought Stafford played really well, but let, let's, if you guys don't mind, let's look at the last two minutes of the game, because that's where this game was really decided mm-hmm. because going in the, the Rams best last run came with, uh, um, uh, with an eight yard run up the middle uh, right at the two minute warning. And they, that, that took the ball down the, gave the Rams a first and goal at the eight coming out of the two minute warning, coming back from commercial with one fifty-five to go in the game. And the first pass Stafford threw was that incompletion to Jefferson where he kind of sailed it over his head, which was probably a smart play rather than trying to force it. The second play, he threw the ball to Henderson incomplete, which set up the, the third down play that everybody's talking about with the holding call. But on that second down play, that linebacker grabbed Henderson and he didn't yell and scream to the official, but he grabbed him. So that holding call could have been called on that play. Instead, they called it a play later, which again, if you're a Bengals fan, hard to get too mad at the officials because they kind of spotted you the lead at at that point. Mm. But I think by the letter of the, of the law, it was probably a hold, but they had let them play. So I, I I understand being upset with that call. What did you guys think of that? Do you, I, what, I what did you think of that particular call? Do you think that had they been calling more of that, that, that it should have been called? Or do you think they should just let that one go? Oh, that was that that wasn't a hold. No, I I think I think it did. Okay. I think at that point in the game, you know, for you know the fourth quarter is you no know, nut cutting time, and at that point in the game, if you like Chris Collinsworth said, hey, they're gonna let him play. And you know, let let them. I mean, let them play. I mean, it didn't look like a dramatic hole. I mean, but there was one. I don't remember which play it was, where I think the guy from the Bengals had a handful of jersey. Some so I I don't I don't remember. Actually, Jalen Ramsey did early in the game, and they yeah and, yeah yeah and, yep. and they and they didn't call flag on him. They did let it go. So they yeah. they were letting some things go. There was really no holding calls that I could remember no. until until the following play, which I'm coming yeah. up on. But in Cincinnati, they also coming up on the next play did some really stupid things, including running onto the field and flip-flops when you get an interception in the end zone, which is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in a Super Bowl. How do you run on the field in flip-flops? That was, that was Vernon. <laughs> you Ver- know that, you can't do that. That was Vernon Hargraves Jr. and in the Former world. Bengal. And Scotty D, he <laughs> and and in the words of Scotty D, do better. Yeah, oh, you have to do. You have to be do be smart. But okay, so after that, after that that penalty that we all say questionable at best, probably should not have been called. You get first and goal with the four. That's the play that Stafford threw the touchdown to Cooper Cup, that got wiped off on. He took all a better. shot to the face, and the Rams held. And so they'd offset it and they replayed it down. Now, if you're Cincinnati, you got to be kicking yourself for that one because now they're getting to replay the down from the four yard line rather than the 14 yard line, which again would have made it a lot more tough on the Rams to have to score because on the following play, they, they threw a flag again 
and it was a good call when Cooper Cup went to the went to the corner. I think it was Eli Apple mugged him. Oh, it was definitely Eli Apple. Definitely. That was a good call. And actually, on the offsetting penalties call, Cup got grabbed on that play too. If you watch, he's coming out of his break. He got thrown near tackled and still made the catch. Mm-hmm. So there was another one they let go. So the 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 officiating, other than that one call, was not bad in this little section. I don't think so. And then. We know what happens. X Stafford runs the ball since he calls timeout, and then he throws the touchdown pass to Cooper Cup on the on the little flare out pattern with a one on one coverage with, with the Eli Apple. But then I was a little bit disappointed because then the Bengals on their first play, a seventeen yard pass to Chase looked like he might even sprint down the sideline for a while. Picked up seventeen, gets them out to uh, what was it? Their own, uh, own thir- forty something. somewhere in there. Yeah. Somewhere in their own 40. And then the next play is the nine-yard pass to Boyd, and that takes them to the Rams' 49-yard line, and they could not get another yard for the rest of the season. They squandered the second down play by throwing some crazy bomb down the sideline. It was what, like five feet out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And then they run, not not Mixon, but Pirine up the middle against a defensive front who was on fire at that point. And then you go with shotgun on fourth and one, and you have Burrow back there planting, letting Don. If you're going to run at fourth and one, here's what I don't understand: why are why are they not trying to like run like a quick sprint out option kind of play? You know, something that's quick and off the line because you know these guys are coming. Aaron Donald's been bearing down on you the whole second half. Why well, are you, you standing standing back there, letting let, even giving him an opportunity? Well, it, you got to you got to remember though. You got to remember though. Burrow was not one hundred percent. I, I I know he did that, get rolled up. He was yeah. he, he was hurting, but you mean to tell me he couldn't take two steps to his right and throw like a quick two out two yard out pattern? I think he could have pulled that off. Well, but I think, to have him standing back there, dropping back in the pocket, that that uh, that I, I, I didn't like. I didn't like that at all. I I didn't like any of those plays after when, from second one on. I thought they got right. three bad ones. I, uh, I definitely get you with that one. All right. Um. Yeah, it, it, that was something that was, it was a big factor that um, Burrow has done a lot of magic with his feet. But when he got rolled up, when he got when he got rolled up, you he was clearly, clearly in pain. I think Burrow was his was Burrow his knee and Stafford his ankle. Yeah, was it the yes. other way? Okay, Burrow, yeah, yeah, Burrow, was, yeah, Burrow's knee, Stafford's ankle. Yep. Man, they 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 played with a lot of grit. But you, you can – it was one of those things where Stafford, you can clearly see, being the veteran, Burrow will be back. But it was one of those things where the last few play calls was – there was a lot of factors going on. Burrow made a lot of magic happen with his feet, and that was taken out of the game when um, he, he did get hurt. And he was very, very much hurt. They, they was rapping, and somebody had a nice one of them little needles on the side. Because you know he got a shot for the pain. Oh, you already yeah. know yeah. that happened. Yeah, but I, I just, I just didn't like. I didn't like. I, I mean, when he, after when they got out to midfield, I'm thinking they only need another ten to fifteen yards here, and that their their kicker, the the Snoop Dogg fan, he's going to make it because he made every <laughs> every one from all season long. I mean, he, he didn't miss in the playoffs. This dude was money. He, went, he has he a went, big man. leg. He went fourteen well, for fourteen in the playoffs. And- and his nickname is Money Mac, by the way. Money Mac or um, Shooter 
Um, what uh, Shooter McPherson? Yep. I like that <laughs> name. I like the name Money. That used to be my nickname before I went started going by the main event. But. Oh, well, the, where, what? When 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 I did, I did not know about this main event. Um, yeah, I'm the main event. No, Scott, not. Scott main event. Scotty D, the main event. The, the, anyway, the, anyway, the, the, anyway. The money man, Scotty D. That's all <laughs> we're giving you. Yeah. Oh, all right, so real quick, uh, Cooper Cup is named the Super Bowl MVP, deservedly so. And personally, I'm like, well, the few things happen. Number one, Mass Everett proved that Detroit is a bad organization. And number two, um, Odell Beckham proved that Cleveland just didn't have the extra oomph to help him be who he a is. A quarterback? Yeah, yeah, the extra. I didn't know. Um, Baker Mayfield's new nickname was um, Eddie, well, Eddie, <laughs> Eddie. Cool. Did you did you think that uh, Cooper Cup should have gotten the MVP, or did you think maybe Stafford or Aaron Donald should have gotten? Because you know, I liked all three of them. I thought all three could have been a good choice. I thought all three could have been a good choice, but Cooper Cup exemplified the next man up mentality, knowing that. Odell went down. The running game ain't worth two dead fly smashed. So it's Wait gonna be. So it's gonna be on me. What do you it mean? It did all go on to him. What do you mean, next man up? Cooper was the man. Odell Beckham was the was the side. I, I, I understand what he's saying. I know. I know, yeah. I know what he's saying. Yeah. I know. The, the weapon. The, the other <laughs> weapon went down. I, I tell you, if Odell doesn't get hurt, I think maybe Aaron Donald wins the MVP. Oh, well, because I think maybe the passes the passes would have been a little bit more spread out rather than it all being Cooper Cup. I think. Odell might have been the MVP. He already had two catches, a touchdown for 50 yards, you know, yeah. halfway through the, the second quarter. I hated that for him. I've never been an Odell fan, but I hated that that things hey. finally seem to be getting on track for his career. And there he is having a, a practically a breakout game in the Super Bowl, finally mm. got chemistry with his quarterback, and then a, a, a non-contact injury takes his knee. I I, I hated uh, that. I really it, did. It was, the, it, was the same, it was the same ACL from what I'm um, yeah. um, looking at. But, hey. He got it. Yeah, he he got, got him it. a ring. It'd have been something entirely different if they did not win. I'd have, I would have been heartbroken. I would have been heartbroken for him. But yeah. those were tears of joy. And yes, it is now a meme. I guarantee you. This uh, the cry, <laughs> the crying Beckham. Yes, I I already did that. I'm Jared Goff. I'm sorry again, bro. You, you know we we gonna tag you, bro. <laughs> it is what it is. He literally. I couldn't tag Jared Golf on Instagram. I said, like, "Oh, he is hurt, hurt." Yeah, he, oh, Eddie was Ed, Eddie was called for the early cry or the ugly cry early last night. As soon as that happens, look at that ugly. Yeah, he, I, I saw like, the picture. Okay. I was like, "Um, meme." Let me go ahead and do my photo <laughs> editing situationals and whatnot. But man, when I tell you this, this game had every bit of what 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 I wanted in a Super Bowl. I like defensive battles. And I also like the fact that my boy T. Higgins was able to shine. Um, nice little 75-yard touchdown. Um, all Rosalie to Dabo. Um, he had a good game. T. T Higgins had a good game. T even though that 75-yard touchdown should not have counted because that was yeah. one. <laughs> that was one hell of a face mask. Yeah. <laughs> that was, and you I see the, the anti-pit bias continues because they wouldn't give Aaron Donald the – MVP, even though he was the most dominant player on the field. Yeah. Yeah. So, fellas, um, that's my 
Pitt Pius. Oh my God! Yeah. All right, so, yeah, so, 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 so that man it. wins one ACC championship, and now it's a conspiracy. Good oh, Lord! Lord. Move, <laughs> move right, America. All right, moving right along. Um, this Kyler Murray situation in Arizona. Um, Kyler Murray said, "You know what? I'm going to unfollow everything that is the Arizona Cardinals," and um, there seems to be some trouble in the desert. In other words, uh, that the desert, Glendale, Arizona, is where the next Super Bowl will be. So, um, fellas, what's your take on this whole Kyler Murray situation? Is it too early for us to be concerned? Is everybody tripping, or what's going on? Um, Kyler Murray, I need you to do one thing for me. One thing I've always said about you is that you were a man bigger than your stature. Everybody called there's memes and pictures and stuff where he's just too small and this, that, and the third. And I'm like, this dude plays big no matter how small he is. Until now, bro, you can't do that. You can't just unfollow and you can't make such a drastic move. And then, because now everything is just up for speculation. Social media is exactly what it is. As much as we might not like it, I can I guarantee right now, if we had a means and a way to communicate our podcast outside of social media, we would do so. Social media is something else. It is not for, first of all, it, it literally is for the feeble mind. I'm going to say it, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand behind it. What happens on social media is mind-blowing and but that is the way that the world communicates with each other you make money because of social media people know who you are because of social media you've got to you've got to behave responsibly when it comes to social media there's a lot of people i would love to cuss the hell out right now on the platforms that i have but i guarantee i know if we were to make it big at some point in time, somebody would be able to hold that over my head because they'd be holding stuff for 15, 20 years. Oh, be lied and finally made it. You remember back in 2022 when he said that this one did that and then said something about his mama? I, I ain't got I can't do all we we have we have to understand the platform that we're on and you gotta be more responsible. Hey, hey, you know, you know what my favorite one is? Somebody looks at the, at, the, at the Facebook profile. Oh, what is this? You text somebody. Hey, uh, what's going on with this person here? None of your damn business ain't nothing going on. Quit speculating. <laughs> Wrong with you. But, that, but that's that's the world that we live in. He's got to understand that. Now, this should not be a story. But guess what? He unfollowed everything. He took everything off. And now we're talking about it. And now there's, there's all kinds of speculation in the world. And Kyler Murray, you brought this upon yourself. And now you've got to, you made the bet. You unfollowed everything. You did this. You lost 34 to 11. It wasn't close. And the last thing that's in our mind right now is you throwing an intercepted pick six in the end zone that should have never been thrown. But that's a lot. That's our lasting impression right now. Scotty D, what you think? I, I don't know what all the, all the, um, the root of all the unhappiness is, I don't know if it's an organizational thing that I, I don't really get all of it. 
I have just I'm just hearing that he might get traded to the Vikings. Uh, is he going to be happier there? Uh, I don't. I don't know, you're talking about leaving Arizona to go to Minnesota in, in the winter time. So Ain't I don't know. no way in <laughs> hell. No way in or, hell. Or AKA I, I just, Jared Golf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the golf treatment. Yeah. But I, I, I but I, I don't think that if if Arizona decides to trade him, it's that big of a mistake. Cause I just don't I don't think I think his height is a hindrance to him. I said that before and I'll say it again. I just, I know he's a jackrabbit back here. You can't even catch the guy when he, when he gets loose back there and he throws a nice football, but I just think he has a hard time reading defenses uh, standing th- that, that low behind the, the offensive line. I, I don't know. I, I it, it doesn't make sense to me for a guy that's this early in his career and on that team to already be having this many problems. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for the NFL talk and Super Bowl 56. We hope you enjoyed it. Fellas, it's going to be a long six and a half months until we get some football. But then, don't we get XFL or USFL or something? Aren't we? Yeah, yes. yes, we yes. do. Yes. Football States. season still coming right up. Yeah, still. and fan control football, FCS, all the things. Scotty uh, V, yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> coming up next on the Sports Bowls podcast, a trade happened in the NBA. And in the words of Almighty Be Live, we try to figure out what happened. Coming up next. All right, now you've probably been listening to the Sports Bowls podcast. You've probably been saying, is all they talk about is football. Why do they talk about football? Listen, three of us, all right, all three of us, you got two diehard Carolina Panthers fan, and you also have a Dallas Cowboys fan, all right? You also have a Pitt fan, a South Carolina Gamecock fan, and then um, Clemson Tiger fan as well, too. So uh, we love our football. We love our football, and it is what it is, but we can talk about football always and forever, but this time we're going to give the NBA some shine, right? And something happened in the NBA, fellas, all right? The Nets and the 76ers, they traded players. They swapped players. All right, so here what it is. The Nets and the 76ers, right? The Nets received Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, not one, but two first-round draft picks. In exchange, they get James Harden and Paul Millsap. So, in layman's terms, the 76ers, they traded for a guy that can shoot, and the Nets received a guy that don't want to shoot. Um, can anybody help me make sense of this trade? And the other question I got in on the back end of that, who's winning and who got hosed? Scotty D, you first. Well, I, I actually think it, it, this is better for both teams, to be quite honest with you, because Philly's paying Ben Simmons to not even be on the team. He doesn't want to be there. He's never coming back. They wanted to get out from under his contract. They wanted to get rid of him. And they they desperately wanted Harden to be that outside shooter to stretch the floor a little bit or open things up for, for Joel Embiid. So they needed they, they they did need this type of player. Problem with with from my perspective is I seen James Harden crumble too many times in postseasons past when he was in his prime and he's not in his prime any longer. So while I do think the the Sixers have gotten better and this helps them, I don't know that it makes them any more of a title contender. And I don't even know if I get some past Brooklyn as far as that goes. Brooklyn, in, in return, is getting a decent shooter in Curry. 
they're getting two number one picks for this guy two that doesn't he, yeah it's, it's not they're getting two number ones which whether even whether you draft them or not that's currency you can even use that for future trades whatever having having number one picks is, is very valuable in the nba uh, drummond's a good veteran and if you're brooklyn doesn't he actually even behoove you at this point to be under a fourth seed wouldn't you rather be like a fifth seed or worse? Because why would you want home court whenever your second best player can't play at home? Wouldn't you rather be on the road? That's your better chance when you have a road advantage because Kyrie can't play home games. Kyrie Irving is not allowed to play in Brooklyn's home games. So if you get a best of seven, wouldn't you want four of them to be on the road so your your best player other than Katie can be on the floor? I mean, very, very strange situation. I think this actually kind of does help Brooklyn because there, there was definitely chemistry issues. There. That's the second time now Kevin Durant's watched James Harden ride off into the sunset. It clearly wasn't working this time. I think Harden, with the whole Irie situation, was just not on board. He just wanted out. And I think even had they waited till after the season, he was probably going to go to Philly. I think that looked to him like, a prime situation to have the one-two punch with Embiid. I don't know if there's a big three. Who's their third? There's got to be a third score up there in Philly. I don't know. I'm not watching enough NBA right now, but I've watched enough of James Harden in the past to know that I can't feel like it's a bad move if he moves on, especially at this advanced stage of his career. Be live. Uh, uh, how much can I say about this? I think, and this is going to be very, very unpopular. I think Brooklyn traded away the wrong player. Oh, really? You care to expound upon that? You can either have Kyrie Irving half of the time or James Harden all of the time. And I guarantee Teach you that James Harden will be a better form of himself without Kyrie Irving. And on top of that, Kyrie Irving would play, would be able to play more because he would be in a different state. I would, but who, but I, who wants him? Who wants him if you can't even trust a guy to show up? I mean, pre-vaccination <laughs> rules, he wasn't coming around anyway. And that was a place well, he wanted to go to. Uh, that, I mean, it, that's that's a whole nother situation here and there. Like I said, it's very unpopular. At the end of the day, I don't think that anybody did themselves any favors. Because can anybody expound to me where James Harden has been a great role player? Where he's been a good number two option? Can anybody tell me when... He's ever his first, been his first go around in Oklahoma City when he was still building his career. I think he was a well, sixth yeah, man. He was he came off the bench. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, that's <clears> that's <throat> the congratulations you picked up. Ten the years one ago, time. yeah, twelve years. Yeah, yeah, yeah and and they still with that <clears> lineup couldn't get it done. Is that I think that's more on Westbrook than it is Harden, but that that's again something that I that's something I think. And well, we could talk about Westbrook all day, and I'm actually going to talk about that because this trade, I think, doesn't do anything really because I don't think either team is going to be a contender. 
I really, really, really like the fact I like what Miami's doing. I like what Chicago's doing. I actually like what Cleveland is doing. And then, of course, the reigning defending national champions, Milwaukee Bucks, they're still doing what they're doing, Giannis. The Greek freak is still that dude. Brooklyn and Philly? I don't know. Joel and B, they'll improve. I think they will be a contender. But I I just don't believe in James Harden, so I really don't think either team really improved. They just sort of just, they're dead. They really, both teams, what they did is they dumped off two players that they didn't want. Will they thrive in different situations? That is yet to be said. The trade that I want to talk about that should have happened, that didn't happen, and is mind-blowing to me, John Wall for Russell Westbrook. I think John Wall in L.A. would be dangerous. You can't get him on the I, floor, though. The guy's played like 20 games in the last four seasons. You can't get him, I think, you can't I get think him out he, there. Yeah, he, I think he's so better than Westbrook. Because if you have a you have a superstar player that you can't play in the fourth quarter of a game. Come on, bro. I would I would cut my losses. I would this, I, this is why players shouldn't be GMs because correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Caldwell Pope and Kuzma shipped out of town to get this to make LeBron happy? That was be careful what you wish for. I mean I said it from jump street was <clears> not a good idea. I'd have made memes, photos, videos, <laughs> all kinds of things of saying this is wrong. This is not going to work. And nobody listened to me. I, listen. I literally I listen. <laughs> I listen. I'm like, this I've been saying this all year that Westbrook is not going to work in LA. Westbrook and LeBron James are two ball dominant players. And Westbrook, I've never seen a slump this bad. Westbrook has never been a really good shooter, but he's had he's hit shots when they've counted. Yeah. If I see one more time this dude go for a high bank shot and miss everything, I'm going to lose my ever loving my dude. That shot's not working. You're his code <laughs> That high bank <laughs> shot that he sacrifices. Come on. And, and that, and, but then when he, he actually had a good game in the fourth quarter against Golden State, and LeBron was LeBrick the other night. He, he he couldn't score and had a chance to tie the game by shooting three free throws. And we know that that story. LeBron on the free throw line did, didn't happen. But 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 yeah, and, and the, the, that contract was too too. It's too big, and the Lakers desperately wanted to get out from under. Nobody was taking that deal on. Nobody, nobody well, wanted that deal. Here's the thing. John Wall has the same but, equally but, bad contract. Okay, but I think if, if I'm not mistaken, though, in order to do that, I think the Lakers were going to have to ship out another number one pick, and they already don't have any for the next couple of years. And I think they just didn't want to get too far down the line of giving up picks for this current team that may not even be good enough to make the playoffs. Who negotiated that mess where – the Lakers would have to give up a first-round draft pick for uh, John Wall that, like you said, it, it me, in my mind, again, I'm not a GM. It would have been a swap for swap. 
Well, I'll I, take John Wall. I, I, I don't know. But no, no, I, I, get I, what I thought I, I thought that I heard, I, and I, I might be wrong on that, but I did hear. <clears throat> excuse me, there was a scenario where a trade was proposed where the Lakers were going to need to give up yet another for like I don't think they have one for the next two or three years as is. They didn't have any assets to make any kind of trades. That's why. That's why they're stuck with in the position that they're in. They're stuck and, with and, the, and, L, the LAARP years. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and the guy the guy who's supposed to be taking over, Anthony Davis, is not doing it. In that same Golden State game, he had 16 points and seven rebounds. I mean, c- come on. And this dude, they gave up a whole team to get this guy, and he's either hurt or sleeping. I mean, c- come on. Street clothes. Um, I think it's safe to say <clears> that, <throat> that the Lakers peaked in 2020. Um Yeah. They peaked, and now it's just a drizzling poops after this. It's just bad because I, I'm not going to lie to you. They're not coming out the West. Portland, you can go ahead and cross-cancel them too because they went ahead and uh, – who, who, where did C.J. McCollum go again? New Orleans. Uh, yeah, it was New, yeah, New Orleans. Yeah, C.J. McCollum went to New Orleans, <clears> so <throat> that that's that's just – it's all over. But the crying up in Portland as well too, and it's just, it's just bad. And Tyrese Halliburton, he goes from – he goes from Sacramento, yeah, from Sacramento to Indiana, and then you got Karis LeVert going from Indiana to Cleveland because I think Cleveland originally wanted Karis LeVert and Cleveland, they're number two in the east. And this just in, fellas, um, DeMar DeRozan, uh, he gets MVP chance, um, he drops 40 on San Antonio. He gives San Antonio a 40-burger, and the crowd is chanting MVP. It's good to see DeMar DeRozan get the second shot. Oh, yeah. And, third, third shot, I'm sorry, yeah. And I'm telling you, dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. I'm, I'm looking forward to see between, like I said, between Miami, Chicago, and Cleveland, because I guarantee you none of us call that. No. Nope. Miami, Chicago, and Cleveland being the top three teams in the East, nope. I didn't call it. I'm over you. <laughs> Just telling you right now. It, for so. me, for, for me, it was a toss up. One, two, three was between Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Philly. That was my one, two, three, in no particular order. And and you see, that's just that's just blew the hell up, and so it's nuts. <laughs> and so, um, I think my top three in the West would be Utah. No, I'm sorry, Golden State, because Golden State got everybody back. Golden State is on fire. Golden State is just back. <laughs> I'm back. Yeah, like they're back. So Golden State is back, and then you got Utah doing what they do. And then um, who would be my third coming out the West? I would say Memphis, but it's still kind of it's, it's it's still a little early because Ja Moran is just otherworldly. Ja Moran. Yeah. That's that dude. Yeah, he's he's, yeah. he's just early, early uh, otherworldly. So, ladies and gentlemen, you got you some NBA talk. We're going to be talking about basketball. And um, it is the month of February. We will also be talking about college basketball as well, too. But, bros, guess what time it is. Time to talk about college basketball. Almost. Almost. <laughs> almost. We're, we're almost there. We're, we're, that's, what we're, that's what we're about to get the into. The next segment. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that time, though. <clears throat> Ah, yeah, 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 you like the little segue to connection there. Oh, there we go. I like it. It is time once again for our favorite portion of the show, the choices of the voices. And with that being said, hey, old button, hit it. 
And now, our favorite part of the show, the choices of the voices. Once again, thank you to the wonderful and ever so lovely Miss Button for introducing our favorite portion of the show. You heard it. You guessed it. The choices of the voices. We ask you a question. You give us an answer and we discuss your said answer and then we give our answer. But enough of my incoherent rambling, which I've been trying to eliminate a lot as of late. Scotty D, what's the question for this week's choices of the voices? All right. I asked your opinion. Is Coach Gay, Mike Krzyzewski, <clears throat> excuse me, the greatest college basketball coach of all time? And if not, who is? And we got some mixed reviews because there's actually another candidate that came in heavy on this, Eddie Cole. Yep, there is another candidate came in heavy on this. All right, we're going to start with a Hall of Famer first. Uncle Max, he said, those um, that believe John Wooden is the greatest coach of all time and with good reason. Yes, John. Mm-hmm. And, and, there, and, there's, <clears throat> and there's the hot take because we're going to talk about it. John Wooden, UCLA, dominance in the 60s. You really, yeah. That's a very, very, very tough argument. And I'm going to tell you exactly why it's a tough argument. Because when he mentioned that, it made me reconsider who I thought was the GOAT in basketball. Because you know there's always the LeBron versus Jordan debate. I really don't. I don't. I changed my mind. I don't think Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time anymore. And Kobe. No, 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 no. The Kobe is Jordan Light, Jordan Jr. It just, I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, Jordan's better than Kobe. Kobe is all time great. But my comment to this, and we'll talk about it Lou Al Cinder, AKA. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. UCLA, John Wooden, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all he did for his three years of college and then going into the NBA was a three-time most outstanding player. Then turned around and was rookie of the year his first year in the NBA. And then two-time NBA regular season MVP and NBA Finals MVP in six seasons. College, three years of college, and then his first three years in pros. I reconsidered it. But back to the argument at hand, <clears throat> John, John Wooden, UCLA, that is a very, very tough argument. Uncle Max, the Hall of Famer. He brought he brought some heat with it. Yep. Said Scotty D, no, no, no. Yep. He said, watch this. All right, Eric Black. He said, Coach K, hands down. Duke wasn't anything in basketball uh before him. And he said, UCLA has and always will be on the map. Well, he kind of put that argument against himself because UCLA was who they are because of John Wooden, the same way Duke is who they are because of Coach K. So it's kind of gave half the, the argument, but I, I understand what he's saying, but yeah, it's kind of, uh, I, I think it's a little half-baked. And then Tom yeah. Wynn says that Wooden won 10 national championships, including seven in a row. So 
he's also on that wooden train there, it sounds like. Yeah. Well, I think what Eric is trying to say, I think this is what his attempt was, is that UCLA has always been on the map for various things, not mm. just basketball. They are, I think they're number two in national titles of all okay. sports, not just basketball. They've done a lot in track and field. They've done a lot. Let's of- go with that. Let's go with that. Then. Yeah, we go. Yeah, we're going to roll with that one. So, <laughs> go with all, right. That. all right. So here we go. We got Kurt Malloy. He said Wooden is the godfather, though. All right. Yeah. So there's two for John Wooden. Yeah, already two for John Wooden. Um, Melanie Volrath. She said, hey, Melanie, how you doing? First time seeing your name. Uh, she said, if you all live down here, Coach K is God, unless you're a Tar Heels fan. And that is that is a very valid argument. I I live an hour and a half away from Coach K and Duke right now. But I um being from South Carolina and knowing there was North Carolina versus Duke, that was it. As much as I'm a Clemson fan and much as Eddie Cool is a South Carolina Gamecock fan, we really didn't give two craps about college basketball at all because there was always North Carolina versus Duke and Duke is synonymous to coach K North Carolina Dean Smith and um Roy Williams so I mean but the fact that coach K the the longevity 1100 wins that is a test that is a very very valid argument because he can do absolutely no wrong and the Carolinas and ACC and just in in all at, at the end of the day there's no bigger rivalry in college sports bigger than North Carolina versus Duke in basketball tobacco it, road I'm telling you there's there's no, there, there isn't an argument at all <clears throat> all right Ryan Bellamy he said ah yes he said let me ask y'all a tougher question does a bear do business in the woods <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Obviously, Duke fan. Big yeah. Rodney's a big Duke fan. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a Duke. So okay, no more for Coach K. All right, big time Dave Romito. He said, "I imagine it's got to be Mike. All the greats were blessed with unbelievable players." Shishevsky, yeah, Coach K. All right, yeah. there's one. There's one for Coach K. Then okay. Yep. Joy Buggins, Joe Gaffigan said, "In my lifetime, I would have to go with Coach K because his teams, for the most part, have always played at a high level." And also, shout out to Coach Gary Williams and Coach Thompson, my two favorites. Gary Williams was the old Maryland coach, and the legendary John Thompson was the head coach at Georgetown University. When I, when you can, one thing you can always count on Joe Buckets, he will represent the DMV without question. But that, there's, there's not an argument. That, that's a, I'm telling you, um, Gary Williams, um, John Thompson, those are very, very good coaches there there so that he's he's not wrong in that aspect he's that not he wrong ain't. at all so but he will definitely represent the dmv for those that are not aware of what the dmv is the dmv is the greater washington dc area dmv dc maryland virginia it's not three it's not the three states it's the region around washington dc which georgetown 
College, um, College Park, Maryland is about an hour away from D.C., but that, this, that general area, people, they, Baltimore, uh, they think about it, Richmond, Virginia, they consider that, but it's, it's the greater Washington, D.C. area, DMV. And it's not where you stand in line for hours. I was just about to say that. Do not do not confuse <laughs> this DMV with that DMV. All right, so moving right along, we got Martin Tracy, and he says one word: Calipari. Penalty box. <laughs> Penalty box. I, I've been waiting on this all week. Penalty box. I, Calipari is the death of college basketball, and almost almost to a detriment of what Coach K is. Because Coach K is starting to indoctrinate that one and done situation, and that's one thing I do not like about Coach K and what Duke has done in recent years. I mean, competitive balance, et cetera, et cetera, blah blah blah, but it's been a detriment to. I mean, you, you, that's why I really like programs like Gonzaga, Baylor. That they, I mean, they they continue to recruit at a high level, and they have players that stay till their senior year. And now the sh- now the fruit is starting to show. So Calipari, no, I, I, they've won one championship. If I'm not mistaken, have they won what? Calipari has one championship, right? He's been yes. there for like 15 I, years. I think he had. I think he had to give it back though. Did, wasn't it revoked? It, it was when, he was, he, when he was with Memphis, he had to give it back. Oh, but I'm just saying. But oh, no, they, lo- they lost that one. He lost they, it with yeah, Kentucky, they, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they never won it, but he did win one. I, I want to say it was 2012 with Kentucky. I don't make a yeah. big difference. Don't you care, <laughs> Maddie? Come on, come, bro. Nope, no, I won't allow it. Not, yeah. not, not on the show that I get to be on. They, they all know. Yeah, Calipari. Calipari has a um, a reputation. Um, see UMass. See Memphis. See Kentucky. It's just, it's just, it's just. Not the, here for it. the the stink follows around Calipari, and it's hard. But oh, he's a good coach. But what's that smell? What's that smell? You got some, you got some stank on your bra that you're branded with forever, right? And Jr. Anybody want to guess what he? I, I I tell you, he says Coach K is one A, and John Wooden is one B. Okay. I'll give I'll give him I'll give him respect enough because he decided not to completely ride the coattails of Duke University again. As I mentioned before, where I'm a Clemson fan, and uh, Eddie Cool is a South Carolina Gamecock fan. Jr. is a South Carolina Gamecock football fan, but he's a much bigger Duke basketball fan than he is a South Carolina Gamecock football fan. So for him to give um, wouldn't a one B mention? I'll I'll give him that. I'll give him that much because good lord, this went oh boy he he puts the 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 E in Duke as like he's just just the stank for no reason. You need to go somewhere and wash. Yes. <laughs> All right, did I get everybody? Did I get everybody choice of the voice? Did I miss anybody? There was um, one Duke. <laughs> Duke Duke saying Dak is garbage. <laughs> that was yeah. it. But pretty pretty much uh I, a lot, lot, it, lot of love coming in for John Wooden. For there was uh, one more. There was a gag joke in there that um, but I do have to mention because you know what my, I, I I completely get uh, glossed over. I'm looking dead at it right now. Mike Proctor said Coach Pete Bell 
from Western is the Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The movie Blue Chips. Yeah, that's right. But I I will give them this much because you know how I do things. There's all roads lead to Dabo when it comes to Clemson. The story, Ash, about when it comes to um, Blue Chips was it was said to be based on the career of Tate's Locke. And he was a coach at Clemson from 1970 to 1975. So Blue Chips was actually based on a Clemson coach, if you did not know that. I had no idea. And it also had the likes of it for, like, I had to look it up, but I didn't really that. I'm going to try to watch it again. But I had the likes of Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway, Bob Cousy was in the movie. Um, um, Bobby Hurley was also in the movie. So it was had some prominent college players um, when it was um, filmed. Bobby, in, um, Bobby Knight. Yep. 1994. So, but it, that was, that was his um, little, um, little jokey joke he wanted to throw in there. Oh, Proctor. That's my dude, though. That's my dude. I think I, did, he... I think I did miss somebody. I think they said, I forgot who it was, but they said it was a pleasure watching Bobby Knight just throw chairs. Yeah, Eric Black said that one, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All, right. All right. So, with that being said, shout out to Uncle Max, Eric, Kurt Malloy, Melanie Morath. I got your name right on the first try. Yes. Rodney Bellamy, Mike, the Dr. Proctor. Boots. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Dave Romito, Joy Buckets, Martin Tracy, JR, for their uh, for their contributions for this week's choices of the voices. With that being said, Scotty D, who you got? A coach that's better or close to Coach John Shishevsky. I got his name. I'm not John Shishevsky, but Mike, Mike Shishevsky. John Mike P. Mike. One, 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 one of them dudes. <laughs> Anyways, what you guys got to do? Well, John Wooden did win 88 consecutive games, uh, 10, 10 titles in 12 years, seven in a row, and no and then no other basketball uh, college women or otherwise was did anyone win more than four in a row. But I go, I think Coach K is is the best of all time. For the simple fact that John Wooden, with all of his great accomplishments, never had to go through the field of 64, now 68, that, that Mike Krzyzewski has done it. Uh, he, Coach K has been to the Final Four 12 times, the first time in 1986, the most recent time in 2015 when they won the whole thing. He has five national championships, I believe. And it's just, I think it's just harder to get to a field of 64, whereas in Wooden's day, it was like regional, you know, basketball wasn't as big. The programs weren't as big. They didn't get as much uh, TV time. And in a lot of those years, I think seven of those years, he had Lou Alcindor and Bill Walton, who were just the most dominant players in the country. And like you said, be live the guys aren't staying for four years like they were early in Coach K's career. So he's had to adapt to that that type of recruiting and, and that team changing that, you know, early in his career, Christian Leitner stayed four years, Hurley stayed four years, Grant Hill stayed four years. And he had to change with the times. And from what we know, did it cleanly because he's never had the scandal that Patino and Calipari and some of these others have had, have, have gone through. So I, I just think, because I think the road 
to the final four and to winning a championship is more difficult. There are more good college basketball programs now. Whereas when Wooden was, Wooden was more like coaching in like a, an intramural league or a Y league. I, I, I might be a little bit overly disrespectful when it comes to that, but the, the road, the road to the final four and to a national championship was not quite as difficult as it is. He didn't have as many opportunities to face an upset as the good teams in, in our modern day of basketball do when it comes to the March Madness tournament. What do you think, B-Lev? Um, I, have a, I have a different reason. I stated a lot of reasons as to why um, um, Wooden was great. I mean, I mean, he's just dominant. But there's a reason. There's a very, very big reason why when it comes to the GOAT conversation in basketball that it is LeBron versus uh, Michael Jordan. And a lot of people don't mention Bill Russell. Is because it was a completely different time. There was only eight teams in the league when the Celtics went, went on the run that they did with um, Bill Russell, and that he has eleven rings, et cetera, et cetera. So it was it was just a completely different time. The reason why I changed my argument about the goat is because when I look back at what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did, he dominated both in college and in the pros. And it will and, and it was over two different spans. He came in the league hot. He left the league hot. I mean, it was just one of those things that I mean it did help that he had uh, Magic Johnson and I mean James Worthy, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that that did help. You know, that that did help. But Kareem Abdul Jabbar leads the NBA in points scored in the regular season. Congratulations, by the way, because I'm not I'm because I I'm not a LeBron James hater. I just don't like his fans. But LeBron James has surpassed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most points scored all time. That's regular season and the playoffs combined. LeBron James is now number one all time. So, ta-da, there you go. I'm not hating on the man. He has done incredible things. But he's still number three on my list now because I put Jordan number two because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a dude, and I digress. But Coach K, I put him as the greatest coach of all time, not because of his accomplishments at Duke. I give him the greatest coach of all time because that includes his time at West Point at Army and also being the coach of Team USA. The man's got gold medals on top of um, um, NCAA championships. And, like, it, Coach K, everywhere he walks, you might as well call him Coach Midas. Because every, everywhere he's gone, is been he t- everything he touches is gold. I think the only thing, the only thing, that could that holds back Coach K from anything, and I mean anything. It's just in this development of talent on the pro level. But he's coached the greatest players of all time. But like that further support the, that's actually further support supporting your own point. The, because John John Wooden had who you're now saying is the greatest pro player ever at the collegiate level where Krzyzewski was coaching guys that 
weren't quite excelling at the pro level. That just shows you how much, how well he was putting them together, utilizing their talents and, and making teams out of them at the collegiate level. So you're kind of supporting your own point, I believe. I, I, I like where I like the way you did that. And I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and say this. I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way. And um, all of y'all with the cancel culture can kiss my natural black one. Uh-oh. But if Coach K could coach um, Zion Williamson's eating habit, he would definitely <laughs> be the greatest coach of all time because Zion Williamson and 50 Cent are on the same diet. <laughs> <laughs> I said what I said. I don't care what anybody says. I am just a I am. I don't give. I know I'm fat. I do not play a professional sport. I am behind the scenes. I'm an IT support specialist. I sit in a comfy office chair for 40 hours a week. It's not my job to be in fit. So shut up. Don't be coming on here and saying, oh, be live. Oh, body shaming and fat shaming. No, I'm not. I'm just saying what I saw. Tell them, be live. Look, if they need a reminder, tell them to watch your video of you taking that dive on the beach. I'm trying to tell you, but I'm trying to tell you, in 50 Cent, he was hanging upside down too, and when he rolled down, he almost took out. He almost took out one of the girls standing next to him when he came off. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Like a fat bat. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fifty. <laughs> I was I was like, 50 look a little thick." Yeah, right. I'm I'm like, just don't fall, just don't fall. I, and I understand, you know, with age, we all put on some extra pounds. That that happens. I get it, but you know, I mean. You got to be in playing shape, Zion. You know, Zion. Yeah, that's bro. I'm just saying. Come on. Yeah, and and the, <laughs> thing, and the thing about it is, when you in New Orleans, they gonna they gonna baby you to death. They gonna boot in you to death, and they gonna zatarans you to death. So you got to figure something out. All right, far as I'm concerned, <clears throat> um, John Wooden has a an award named after him, but to Scotty D's point, um. Coach K, he, he's gone through the gamut. He's, he's gone through the gamut as far as, like, competition, you know. He's had battles with Roy Williams at um, at Maryland. He's had battles with Bobby Crimmins at Georgia Tech. I mean, he, he has tried – like, Coach K is tried and true. Coach – Dean Smith um, – Many times they play each other in the ACC, not only in, you know, um, the regular season, but also tournament-wise. Coach K has had battles with Dave Odom at Wake Forest. So it's, it's just been like a big old back and forth as far as that goes. And it's just you can't take away the greatness of Coach K. And as you said, you know, Lord have mercy. Who's Coach – I mean, from Zion to Jay Williams, to Grant Hill, to Christian Leitner, to, I mean, you, um, Kyrie, to. It's the endless list. He has a lot of, lot of Brandon, college Hall of Famers on there. Brandon Ingram, to, I, I mean, as far as like putting out talent, man, I would have to give it to Coach K because he's won and won often, even in off years, he's still finding a way. He, Coach K just still finds a way to win. And not to discredit, you know, the greatness that is John Wooden, but I'm going to have to give a nod to Coach K. I'm not going to give a nod to him. I was going to say Dean Smith, but I'm going to have to give the nod to Coach K because from a longevity standpoint, he, he's, been at, he's been at it for a while, and I had no idea that Coach K was in his 70s. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, crazy. He, I mean, he's he, aged, he on the he's he on that like, Tom he on that Tom Brady diet. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and, since, and, since you, and since you mentioned Tom Brady, I have to do it. Tom Edward Patrick Monte Carlo <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Jake Maxwell <laughs> Jake Aaron Joe. Brady the third, the order of Canada. I had to do I had to get out of my system. Gotta love it, man. Had to, had so to, had all to. three of us give the nod to Coach K in his farewell year. Man, hey, and y'all y'all know me. I don't like Duke at all. I really don't. But you gotta respect the man. Yeah. And they in the way them in the way they're playing, Duke could very well win it all this year, and that would be a biggest testament of it all because he's won it early, he's won it late, he's won it often, he's won it in but almost you can say he's won in three different eras of college basketball. Yeah. So, hey, hats off to you, sir. Yeah. As you play on to the end, and we will be. Definitely talking about it during March Madness. Oh, it's all we're almost there. We're almost Woo. there. I, and and uh, I would say this though. Um, yeah, Coach K does remind me of Tom Brady. You just can't count him out. You, you just you just can't count him out. You cannot count him out. All right. With that being said, it's been another edition of the Choice of the Voices. But before we get up out of here and hop into Pepper, well, not hop into Pepper, but anyways, Scatter D, what's on tap next week for the Choices of the Voices? All right. I actually um, heard this question being kicked around the Four Letter Network uh, not too long ago, about a month or so ago. And I like the question. I wanted to see what our people would say about it. You got you need a three pointer to tie or win the game in the NBA. Who are you taking to shoot that shot? Steph Curry, Reggie Miller, or Ray Allen? This is the clutch three. And these are really the three greatest to ever have done it. Literally Who one, are you? Literally one, two, and three. Yeah, I think they're the top three of all time. You get to pick. Who are you, who are you choosing to take that clutch three-pointer with a game on the line? You need a three. Who you got? Steph, Reggie, or Ray Ray? And that will give us something to talk about next week. Come, come with the heat with the Jesus Shuttleworth. And John Shire, the um, heir apparent to the Duke program, you got some big <laughs> shoes to fill. Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I forgot old punk-ass Grayson Allen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, on the list of people that should not be mentioned on this podcast. Yeah. God. Oh my he's a, he's a, Eddie he's, Cool. Eddie he's Cool. A, just 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 he's he's a he's a he's a track. He's a turd. He's he's just a he's just a living, breathing, sticking turd. <laughs> but when somebody hits him, if I see if, if somebody I see him on the street, it's all <laughs> oh my lord. Um yeah, Amtrak this uh, we we are we are a happy and positive. Sports podcast. That's all right, that, all right, yeah. all right. That uh, her request. That's a question for next week. Who you got, Reggie? You got Steph, or you got Jesus Shuttleworth? Come back next week for choices of the voices. Coming up next, Pepper, and we try not to sneeze. 
Okay, boys, let's bring it home with a round of pepper. All right, you heard the woman. It's time for us to go home and get the hell out of here. But before we go, we're going to do a round of pepper. You know how we do it. Three topics, rapid fire style, kind of, sort of. Not really. We're here to engage, enlighten, and entertain. All right, so a little quick uh, secret behind how we construct the uh, recording process of the Sports Bowls podcast. Sometimes we try to take two segments and record them at once. So that way the editing job is easy as to where I can just cut one portion in half and do it like that. But B-Live said he has an extra lengthy um, pepper. So um, we're going to start I fresh. Didn't, I didn't say all that. I didn't say it was going to be hot. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say it was going to be lengthy. I didn't say it was going to be hot. I'm coming hot with it. Go ahead. Go ahead, brother. Okay. Lengthy hot. Here we go. Usually I do this day in history, but I'm going to keep up with the Super Bowl and football theme. All right. So here we go. Andrew Whitworth, right? He's a 40-year-old offensive lineman for the LA Rams, and he previously played for the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. He has a pretty good career, all right? Pretty good career. And it goes as follows. Not only is he a Super Bowl champion, but the LSU alum, he's also a BCS national champion. He's also the first player in NFL history to start a left tackle at the age of 40. He's a gray beard. And he's just allowed 60 sacks on over 16,000 career snaps. This man has a Hall of Fame resume. 16, that's it? Yeah, 16,000 career snaps. And he's only allowed just 60, 60, not 16. 60, 60, okay. Still good, still good. That's still good. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's still good. So um, Andrew Whitworth, um, will he be a first ballot? Either first, second, third, he going to get in the Hall of Fame because those are some very impressive numbers. And if he retires, this is how you do it. You go out on a high note. So um, my hat goes off to you, Andrew Whitworth. Over to you, Scotty D. All right, I'm just quickly going to talk about uh, what I saw Saturday night in the UFC. Uh, Derek Lewis, the Black Beast in a heavyweight uh, a heavyweight tilt against this up-and-comer tie to Ivasa, who's quickly becoming a star in the UFC. This is the big, uh, the, the big fella who does what's called a shoey, where he he drinks beer out of shoes, and he does like a beer, like a Stone Cold Steve Austin beer chug out of yeah. Out of shoes. I saw that. Yeah, that's his, that's his thing. He's, and and the guy is winning, and this was his first really big test, and. Not only did he prove he can knock Derek Lewis out because he threw just an incredible elbow that knocked him out, but he showed he could take a punch because this dude, Derek Lewis, has the most knockouts in UFC history, and he took some shots from this guy's on on Saturday night. So, his name is now going to be starting to climb the ranks of heavyweight contenders. But the main event saw Israel Adesanya taking on former champion Robert Whitaker, and in the first fight. Uh, which was two years ago, three years ago, um, Adesanya finished Whitaker in the second round. And this time he came out and dominated in the first round. And then they had four very close rounds to follow. Uh, I don't believe that Whitaker did enough to win three out of those four. There are people that believe that. But Adesanya definitely did not look like a dominant fighter, he started to look a little bit more cautious. And we've seen this before in, in boxing and in and in UFC where a fighter looks dominant earlier in their career, and then all of a sudden the knockouts and the finishes start to come a little few and far between as it progresses because they become more cautious and smart with their, their fighting. And I think we saw a little bit of that. Now, Adesanya's next fight is going to be against Jared Cannonier, 
most likely in June. That, that, that seems to be where we're headed. Adesanya has pretty much cleaned out the middleweight division. Now, if you look at the, the rankings, he's fought almost all these guys once or twice. There's a young guy named Sean Strickland who's up and coming. He's probably a fight away. If he continues to win, maybe another fight or two, he might be Adesanya's next big opponent. I, I think Cannonier at age 37, a bit of a journeyman, not as well-rounded. I think Adesanya handles him, but nonetheless, Adesanya is must-see TV. I just hope that he doesn't follow this pattern, continue down this pattern of not putting on good fights and just kind of coasting through and getting wins. But UFC was back uh, putting on another great show this past weekend. I look forward to them coming up. I think March 5th is the next one, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, that was my quick UFC report. Be live over to you. All right. I appreciate it. There's a little bit of a segue because this story that I'm going to bring to you is going to take a little bit of UFC MMA situational. It's going to take a little bit of wrestling, AEW, and it's going to combine a little bit of college football. How in the world am I going to possibly combine the three? Oh, I got to hear well, this. It's a whole lot going on. Go ahead. Well, um, the University of Miami, their football program, is under NCAA investigation because of a new NIL deal that is going down for all Miami football players. So in other words, if you come to play to Miami, play for Miami, you will get $500 a month per an NIL deal. Hmm. Who is signing the checks on these NIL deals? It is one aptly named Dan Lambert. Dan Lambert, who runs America's top team? American top team, the, the MMA best, Academy. The, the best heel in the <laughs> business. <laughs> and he's made several um, appearances on AEW All Elite Wrestling. He has inked a deal, an NIL deal, which will pay every Miami football player $500 a month, which is now being looked at by the NCAA. Like, this is not what NIL was supposed to be about. It was supposed to be about you being able to make money off of your own name, not for somebody to be able to pay you to play at a university. So this story is ongoing, and I guarantee you, I will re I will be reporting more as information comes out. Dan Lambert, ah, uh, that's not what the NIL was about. You can talk Get a lot of on, on AEW, but I will be watching. Eddie Cool, the ball. The funny thing about this, I wonder if Dan Lambert is going to be talking that straight cash. Like he does usually, you know, you got this university and he, oh my God, he is like, he is the, oh, oh, let me, if, 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 in, oh, let me just go ahead and throw in this quote. If you want to talk about somebody talking cash, mm. um, and I quote, um, thank you for, um, sportsnot.com for this, but, um, and this is a quote from Dan Lambert, um, blank, the NCAA. I would love to sue those scumbags. I hired the preeminent attorney in the country on NIL, 
um, Darren Heitner, and he crossed every T, dotted every I, and they still want to look into it. Maybe the NCAA is scared they're losing their powers. They're all pieces of blank. <laughs> Dan Lambert is consistent. <laughs> he is consistent. I will give him that, all right? And speaking of consistency, as B-Loud threw it to me, um, fellas, I don't know about y'all, but when we watch Monday Night Football, which one do you watch? Do you watch the one with the the, the regular with, with, with Brian Greasy, Steve Levy, and Lewis Riddick, or do you watch the Manning Brothers? Which one do you watch? I watch the regular one. Uh, depending on how I feel. Um, it, it depends. If I want to hear some um, dumbness, I'll watch the Manning Brothers. I, I just want to watch yeah, I forgot about it. So yeah, I watched the regular one. <laughs> All right. So to those of us, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, even though I am a journalism and mass communications major, and you know, I like to hear what other color commentary, you know, color, color commentators do and they're delivering all that. I'm always a student of the game. But sometimes I just want to watch football with the boys. And with that being said, Peyton and Eli Manning agreed to a three-year contract to host the alternate Monday night football telecast now as you know as i said earlier the normal broadcast is led by steve levy brian greasy and lewis riddick and lisa salters and john perry for each of the 19 games including a week 18 doubleheader. an additional 10 games will feature a mega cast on espn2 headlined by peyton and eli manning from a remote location courtesy of bleach report all right yes i'm reading from some chat all right so john pataro the chairman of espn he says of ESPN and sports content. He says they're offering multiple Monday night football viewing options for the next three seasons, continues our innovation efforts and provides additional value to our fans. Pataro also said Peyton and Eli will bring a different approach, delving into conversations about broader big picture topics while also honing in on the game, much like fans do when watching their family and friends. I'm going to tell you, this is great TV. This is great TV especially when the games get out of hand, they just start talking about all kind of different stuff and start cracking jokes. You get to see some behind the scenes stuff. And so, uh, yeah, shout out to Eli and Peyton Manning for still working and still being relevant. Over to you, Scotty D. Manning's are gold, man. What can you say? Oh, they are. They are. They're they gold. Are. So, um, just a quick brush up on the Olympics. Last week I was talking about Michaela Schifrin and she had, fallen on her first downhill race and then the next day she did it again and then she took on another uh race that she had never entered in the olympics before and i think she finished eighth but was happy just to have gotten into a competition and, and got got going again and i think she's going to compete again I, I i'm distracted by this other bit of news which also last week if you remember i was saying that uh this 15 year old russian and forgive me if i butcher her name camila valieva was already looked at as being the possible greatest of all time. She was that good where she, she pulled off the first ever quad in, in, in figure skating history. And I said, yeah, I had to watch because you can tell me they're going, yeah, she had two in one competition. Mm -hmm. She, she fell in the third attempt, but she did pull off two in the, the first, you know, the, when she, when she went to do them and the, the Russian team uh, won the gold in that, in that, particular category and then came out that she had been doping now it may not have been her fault because she's not really the one that's in charge at age 15 of what all was going into her body or her coaches from the 
Russian Olympic Committee because Russia itself was banned for doping in previous Olympics. Now this girl is, is one that's, that's doping and they were going to ban her from competing. But then the, the Olympic board says, well, we're going to let her go ahead and compete. But if she finishes in the top three, she just doesn't get to go to the medal ceremony, which is like saying, if you want to cheat and win the Super Bowl, that's fine. We're just going to give you the trophy later on, not on TV. So the, the cheating they know about, and they're going to allow it. Now, if you go back to last year in the Summer Olympics, Shikari Richardson, the sprinter, was banned from going to the Olympics because she tested positive for weed. You guys remember this? Yeah. Her mother had passed away, and she was down in the dumps, and she smoked some weed, tested positive, didn't go to the Olympics. And we said at the time that even though it's weed and it's not performance enhancing, she was told she wasn't allowed to do it. She did it anyway. She didn't deserve to go to the Olympics. And I stand by that. But now she is coming out and saying, why am I being singled out? Why is this girl still being allowed to compete? Is it a racial thing? And to be honest, I'd kind of like to know the answer. Why is this girl, this Russian girl, who has already shown she has been doping, it's already been proven, why is she being allowed to compete going forward in this Olympics? Very strange story. Very good point by Shikari Richardson. I want to see how this unfolds. Russia, do better. Quit cheating. The ROC. ROC, you're, you're cheaters. You, you just got a license to cheat. I'm disgusted. Be live over to you. All right. Scotty D, this is twice now. You segue into it. This time, I need you to get out my notes. Because <laughs> I got the second part of the... Um, the Camila Valieva situation in Russia. I got the second okay. part of it. Go for it. Let's hear it. The doping that she has done has been um, reported that is it is a heart medication, but it has stimulants in it, which is still banned by Correct. the International Olympic Committee. So at the end of the day, it was still wrong for her to take, and she got tested positive for it. Now, it has been reported, and I'm going to paraphrase because it's what I like to do, because I like to read between the lies and I, lead, I like to read between BS. The reason why this 15-year-old kid, and I have to emphasize 15-year-old kid, is because that's the exact reason why she is allowed to compete. It's because she is a protected minor. Yes, yes. And... It is not in the best interest of the Olympic Committee um, to ban her from the sport um, because it could be irreparable damage to her um, her well-being. And what they don't want to do, again, me paraphrasing, because I like to read between the lines, they don't want to hurt her feelings as a protected minor so not only do you allow her to compete allow her to medal but they've also stated that if she medals they won't have a um ceremony which also includes two other athletes so you're telling me because of her doping and because she's a child and somebody dropped the ball who was an adult, 
Now two other adults are affected by this decision. And on top of that, you're going to sit here and tell me that this is, and this is our age difference. Scotty D, I believe you turned 49 recently. I turned 39. Let's take it back a few years. Scotty D, you'd be 25. I'd be 15 years old. We're competing in the same sport. We all have the exact same rules. But you're telling me right now that because I'm 15 and you're 25, I'm allowed to dope and get away with it because it might hurt <laughs> my feelings? And so now, we live in. And now because you win silver, I win gold, you don't get the, um, the medal ceremony because I screwed up. Get what I call the entire out of here. Man, y'all got to do better. We, I tell you, we don't want to talk about politics on this show, but this is 1,000% politics, and this is bad politics, and one of the most watched things in the entire world. IOC, you've got to do better. Other news, USA versus Canada, women's hockey for the gold. Remax, let's go USA. Eddie Cool, the ball. That was a great game, by the way, but those Canadian girls, they were just uh, too much for the American girls to handle. All right, closing out my third and final paper point, uh, talking about some more winners, Eric Weddle. All right, Eric Weddle is a safety, and um, he was part of the Super Bowl winning champions last night. Now, here's the thing about Eric Weddle, right? <clears throat> He, um, back in January, he comes out of retirement, January the 12th, and he had not played in the NFL since the 2019 season, all right? So it goes on, you know, leads the team in the playoffs, and then the NFC Championship game, he leads the team in tackles, all right? Then after that, um, he became the designated play caller for the Rams in the Super Bowl. Then after that, Eric Weddle got hurt. He tore his pec, and he had on one of those shoulder strap, shoulder lean things on, but he still played. And Eric Weddle, they said, you're going to retire again? He's like, yeah, I'm done. I'm through. I'm done. I'm like, done for real this time, because last time they got him, he was playing pickup basketball somewhere. I guess like, ah, you know, you got to avoid his safety. I'll help you out. So um, we got another guy, another Ram going out on top first. It was Andrew Whitworth, and now it is Eric Weddle. Think about it. You play some good football in the month. You win a Super Bowl. You tear, you tear your pack up. Yeah. You win a Super Bowl. Like, all right, the hell with y'all. I'm gone. Bye. <laughs> Deutsche. Goodbye. Good night. So, uh, shout out to Eric Weddle, man. Playing through the pain and getting his ring like Aaron. Thomas. Riding off as a champion. Riding, Riding off, off into the sunset. Over to you, Scotty D. Do you think Eric Weddle and these other guys were bothered yesterday when they're ready to take the field and the Rock's out there cutting a promo? I mean, eventually, I think we're going to start the Super Bowl around 10 o'clock at night because it's feeling like everybody's add more and more stuff to push it back and push it back. Damn. Yeah, and and and, yeah. Then, and then on top of that, he had like two different shades of burgundy on. Who dresses, man? <laughs> what the hell? The, the, rock, the rock was very, very dangerously close to copyright infringement because he was really close to quote Michael Buffer. <laughs> yeah. Michael, Michael Buffer has he, Michael Buffer has that phrase trademarked, by the way. And I and you can hear it when he's like, oh my bad. <laughs> so 
Um, yeah, come on, and Rocky might have that money. Might have that XFL <laughs> money going through the forbidden door promoting the NFL while you have your own league coming up. But hey, hey, do do you, man? Uh, my bad, Scotty D. Go ahead, um, do, do your thing, please. And one other quick side point: Isn't there any other retired NFL player available to do the coin toss? We got Billy Jean King out there doing it. Olympics, I mean, man. It was Olympics. It was the Olympics. Uh, okay. Anyway, okay. So just one more. Uh, quick topic on the Super Bowl. Every once in a while, you, you know, we were talking about all this stuff that didn't make sense. Something makes so much common sense. You just you, you want to celebrate it. And that's where I go to the Cincinnati public school system, because as a sports fan, there's not a lot that's more important to me than sports. And if my team gets to the Super Bowl, the last thing I want to do the day after is go to school because either I'm going to be really depressed because we lost or so excited we won. I'm just going to bask in the glory or maybe in my younger days have a little, little something, something to, to sip on. <laughs> anyway, the Cincinnati Public Schools decided we're not going to school the day after the Super Bowl. They decided that as soon as they won the championship, cancel school on Monday. So as you're listening to this podcast, they're going to be back. They're going to be licking their wounds. They're going to be sad. But you know, at least they got a day to decompress and, and recuperate from what was a grueling Sunday afternoon. I got to give it to them. Kudos to the public school system, the Cincinnati public schools, for taking the day off the day after the Super Bowl like the rest of the country should have done. And that was my final pepper point of the week. Final pepper point of the week. I, I, I agree, Scotty D. Like that should be like the day after. Should be like you know what? Just take the day off. <laughs> yeah. Just 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 take the day off. Like don't even don't even bother. Like don't don't even bother because the thing about it is you know you won't be focused. You know, prime example. Um, it's it's not football related, but when I was living in New Hampshire, I used to work in a grocery store, right? And um. It was when the Red Sox were in the World Series and they lost. And I went to work the next day and the store was eerily quiet. Now, <laughs> now by this time, they had already got, got over the curse. And by this time, they have already won, you know, several championships and everything. So everything is good, cool, fine and dandy. And, and I'm walking, I'm looking around, I'm like, the hell wrong with y'all why is y'all so quiet because guess what when the panthers lost the super bowl i took my butt to work the very next day <laughs> the very yeah. next day and I, I, I just i like the idea of shutting down the day after the super bowl. i think the whole country should do but that's just that's just me yep yep oh man when i tell you exactly 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 my third and final pepper point i usually do some weird and crazy stuff over the top some craziness but you know what i gotta take i gotta do this i got a chance earlier today on monday i'm an avid bowler i love bowling i've been away from it for a while so i've, I've, I've missed my peoples and everything but i got a chance to step to the bowling alley and see my friends and family today and i got to witness something special so i gotta do it the best way i know how is on my podcast with my peoples Man, I appreciate my bros for allowing me to do this. But, man, quick shout-out to my boy, my boy T, Antonio Pookie, the Purple People Eater. He's a diehard Minnesota Vikings fan. My man, Antonio Horn, for his first ever 800 series 
when I tell you I've watched this man bowl for years, going on close to a decade, I've watched this dude freaking rock out on the bowling alley. I seriously thought he had already gotten an 800 series before, but tonight at B&B Bowling Lanes here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Antonio Horn, congratulations, 268, 280, 269 for an 817 series. Man, salute to you, my little bro, man. Congratulations. I am so glad I was able to be there on tonight. Yes, sir. Congratulations. That's quite an accomplishment. Quite a feat. Quite a feat. All right, fellas, we all three got our pepper points in. Think we're good to go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that being said, it's been another episode of the Sports Bros Podcast. As always, thanks for watching and thanks for listening. Scotty D with a dope merchandise shirt. And like they say, if you want to put things in this, speak into existence and make manifest and make things happen, I don't know what the hell I said. But with that being said, and in closing, <laughs> do something nice for yourself. And if you can, do something nice for someone else. They appreciate it now more than ever. I need some warm weather in my life. <laughs> some sun because this snow is for the birds but anyways it's cold everywhere it's 34 degrees here in Fayetteville so it ain't much getting away from it so with that being said yes sir thank you for happy listening President's Day. happy thank, President's Day thank you for listening to another episode <laughs> of the Sports Bros Podcast um, hope you enjoyed your Valentine's weekend and a uh, shout out to them sad pieces as well, too. I'm going to get some heat. It doesn't matter. Because when it's cold outside, girl, who are you holding? <laughs> if you think you're lonely now, <laughs> ooh, yeah, wait until tonight, girl. <laughs> Wait until tonight. <laughs> Hell, baby. Hey, 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 oh, hey, 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 h